Sam and his wife were shoppers with a cause. They chose products made from recycled materials. They bought from companies that pledged to donate some of their earnings towards charities. The young couple made a conscious effort to make sure their money made a difference, even at the cost of paying 15, sometimes 20% more than products that lacked a social or environmental cause. But by 2020, this purchasing behavior was challenged. In light of the COVID-19 pandemic and a looming global economic depression, Sam considered ways to reduce household expenses. One way to do that was to purchase similar goods that were more affordable, regardless of the brand's business ethics. In short, Sam was dropping his desire for sustainable products. And with no certainty of the future, he intended to stick with his decision for the months to come. This is Future Social, a podcast series from the Singapore University of Social Sciences that explores issues which are rapidly and profoundly changing our lives on the social, cultural and economic fronts. And to prepare for the future, we must confront and embrace these new ways of change. I'm Daniel Sear and welcome to Future Social. In this podcast, we will examine the future of businesses. We will explore the role of sustainability in the economy after COVID-19 and why sustainability is important for the future of businesses. There is a growing demand from consumers for companies to produce sustainable and ethical products. However, the story about Sam is also increasingly commonplace because of economic uncertainty. My guest today is Dr. Lau Kongqin, a senior lecturer in marketing at the School of Business SUSS. Kongqin is a veteran branding consultant. He has offered his expertise in brand research and strategy to many companies, particularly the luxury industry. Kongqin, very warm welcome to you. Hi, Daniel. Nice to meet you It's here. very nice to see you in the studio face to face at last with yes. safe distancing measures. Kongqin, I understand your daughter had a spot of bother with uh, some safe distancing uh, requirements in school today. Yeah, well, she told me that she needed to get a, a face shield for her uh, oral exams. And Gosh. I was a bit frantic because I didn't know where to get one in the first yeah. place. But luckily, uh, there's e-commerce. Yes. And uh, I went online, <laughs> I did a search, and there was uh, a seller that would, uh, you know, very willing mm. to uh, get it for me within a short period of time. And um, that helps save me a lot of bother and... Uh, anxiety. Yes, of course, of course. Anxiety for parents yes. whose children are taking <laughs> exams. Right. And also some of the anxieties induced by this pandemic, which has affected all of us in big ways and small ways. So that leads me to a question I'd like to ask you about sustainability. McKinsey, the consultancy firm, has estimated that governments worldwide have allocated at least $13 trillion to stabilize economies to start growth again. This implies that many businesses are crippled and for some of these companies, their concerns are existential ones. So why should these companies care about sustainability in this climate? Well, in this COVID-19 pandemic uh, storm that mm. uh, all of us have uh, experienced, many companies out there recognize that directly or indirectly, they are 
involved or, or responsible for the climate change that has happened in yeah. the world. And during this whole episode, um, there have been reports on the internet, people posting photos of one of the most polluted uh, mm. cities like Beijing. Now they could have blue skies over them. And that spans all the way to, to far away, like even to New Delhi, yeah. for instance. And the other point is that many companies also have seen that there is a social disparity in our uh, social fabric. Yeah. Uh, not in Singapore, uh, no, I'm talking about Singapore, about globally. Yes. And reports have shown that those who are less vulnerable, uh, those who are in the low spectrum of the mm. socioeconomic strata, they tend to be the ones who have higher uh, mortality rate yeah. during this COVID-19 because there's lack of food. Uh, they couldn't afford the food that is, uh, that the price that have skyrocketed, for yes. instance, healthcare, shelter, for instance. And this has uh, contributed to their mortality rate, which yes. is higher. And this is something that uh, most businesses out there uh, tend to have recognized that mm. uh, something needs to be done yeah. for, for this. And thirdly is that they realize that they are part and parcel of uh, ecosystem uh, mm. or value system that is interconnected. You can see that the early days of uh, COVID-19 where China had a major lockdown, yes. right? And nothing could leave China. So even companies that are outside of China, like say in Philippines, uh, they could say that they could function. But when it comes to having materials mm. uh, that are from China, uh, when they have no access to it, they have to stop because they couldn't produce mm. at the other part. So businesses now realize that they are part and parcel of a value chain. Yes. And uh, this interconnectivity has shown that to survive as a business, one have to not only be self-centered, mm. but also be uh, cognizant of the value chain where they are in. Mm. They have to make sure that their supply chain, the upstream, are able to pro provide to them. And downstream, the people are able to uh, uh, buy their products, otherwise they have no business down the yes. line as well. So this uh, this whole realization or should I say epiphany mm -hmm. of, of this whole episode is very much in line with the concept of sustainability. And this concept says it's not something that's new, it's yes. something that's been initiated by the United Nations back in the 1980s. And this concept is very much, sustainability is very much about meeting the needs of the present mm. uh, without basically compromising on the needs of uh, our future yes. generation. And sustainability consists of basically tricky pillars. Yeah. If you want to look at, at it in a simple perspective, uh, one is uh, economic uh, sustainability, the other one is uh, social sustainability, and finally, environmental sustainability. Economic sustainability looks at basically um, the responsible governance and also uh, good risk management. Mm. Because when there's good governance, companies are able to contribute um, healthily to the economy. For instance, um, paying good wages, reasonable wages to their, to their staff, yeah. uh, paying their taxes, so that will help to uh, build the economy. And a good risk management all businesses are now part and parcel of a value chain, a value system. And if any part of the value chain fails, it's not only them that fails, it's the whole value chain. So for companies to manage the risk is basically to make sure that they're able to uh, supply uh, materials down line to their customers. At the same time, able to take on, uh, be a good customers of their suppliers 
at the other end so that they can also sustain their business upline. So that is the um, essence of uh, uh, good economic sustainability. Yeah. So that's, that's from the economic perspective. From a social perspective is how uh, companies are able to make sure that the, that their customers are treated well, mm. the suppliers are treated well, and their own staff are treated well. So that is to make sure that everyone have the basic rights of you know food, yes. healthcare, uh, shelter, yeah. and safety. And if you look at it from a more detailed uh, perspective, is for instance uh, looking at better. Uh, we, we pay the farmers that we, we get mm. raw materials at a reasonable rate so that they could uh, feed their families, right? And that's one perspective of it. Uh, so, and then going down to the next uh, sustainability uh, pillar is environmental, which we're very familiar with. You know, how do we make sure we don't over extensively use uh, energy that it will cause uh, global warming? How do we efficiently use water so mm. then we have enough for everyone? How do we dispose of waste that yep. uh, the manufacturing and the construction, the businesses that we could be involved with uh, directly or indirectly that will jeopardize the health of uh, people consuming uh, food or water that eventually comes from the areas where mm. these pollutants are being disposed. Yep. So this is basically uh, the sets the, the, the framework of the mm. three pillars for sustainability. Yeah. Thank you, Kongqin. You covered a lot of ground. So I was very struck by your point about the interconnectedness. And I think this is um, a development which had already happened even before the pandemic. But right now, what's happening, if I understand you correctly, is that the pandemic being a crisis, you shouldn't waste it. It's an opportunity for yourself or the companies to rethink the way they want to govern themselves as companies which led you to talk about the three pillars, um, the economic sustainability, social sustainability, and also environmental sustainability. These questions about sustainability is not new. It actually happened long before the pandemic. The United Nations, as you correctly observe, did not just uh, think about this in a Brundtland Commission, but we have the 17 goals in a sustainable sustainability development goals. So let's take a broad perspective can you identify certain industries that threaten sustainability along the lines that you have suggested, the three pillars, even before the pandemic? Right. Yeah, there, could, there are some uh, industries that are really the bigger culprits yes. to sustainability. And one of them is one of my favorite industries, the uh, fashion industry, mm. right? It's uh, my favorite industry. Yeah. And, and, but uh, unfortunately, they are one of the culprits, right? Uh, research uh, shows that one kilogram of fabric mm. to make our apparel contributes to 23 kilogram mm. of uh, greenhouse gases, right? And that's just producing it. Yes. And in the lifetime of using that apparel, mm. uh, it may contribute to another about 11 kilograms of greenhouse gases because of cleaning yes. and washing and stuff like that. So that is... One major culprit, mm. but all of us love this industry, mm. right? But that is just from the perspective of environmental, yep. but also from the perspective of social, mm. right? How um, fabrics need uh, uh, cotton, 
Yeah. Right. And cotton um, could be, uh, you know, you need to process them. Mm. Right. Then that touches on the concept of fair trade. Yeah. And also, how do we treat uh, labor? Mm. Right. I mean, fashion industry is a couple also for child labor, uh, coerced labor. And uh, the, I think it was reported by uh, the ILO. Yeah that uh, 170 million, that was uh, not too long ago, uh, uh, children across the world are involved with... Uh, the sweatshops. Uh, yeah, producing garments. Yeah. Right? And this is uh, very sad. Yeah. Right? And so fair trade and, and responsibility in ethical purchase uh, is important. Companies need to make sure, fabric companies, apparel companies, need to make sure that the source of their products Mm. Uh, are produced ethically. They do not uh, uh, involve child labor. Mm. And just recently, I think um, last week or so, uh, SCMP reported mm. that uh, a lot of the garment that uh, is cotton, raw yes. cotton is processed in Xinjiang. And they got a lot of the Uyghurs uh, in rehabilitation yes. camps to uh, work in these factories that uh, process raw cotton. Mm. And, and that brings uh, down the prices, definitely. Yeah. And I'm surprised that big brands across the world are actually purchasing mm. uh, these garments from them so as to reduce mm. the cost of production and then they could reach us uh, at the uh, affordable price that we want to pay. That's right. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, shocking. Mm. Um, and that uh, is also a wake-up for me because... I, I didn't know that some of the big brands mm. in the world uh, actually have overlooked this or they have closed an eye on this. Mm. All right. So that's the garment. But the mining industry is another mm. one. But mining also is closely related to downstream where yes. you have, uh, it could be mining of, uh, of, of, of oil. Mm. It could be mining of diamonds, for yes. instance. And, and, and there's reports that luxury brands buy diamonds from uh uh, develop third world countries, right? Where people are, where the miners are exposed to hazardous, yes. dangerous conditions, uh, where quite a lot of them uh, uh, could be fatal. Yeah. Uh, accidents could be fatal. And recently, also, I've read that Apple, Google, mm. Dell, is was involved with this lawsuit by a company, I think, uh, or by a group of people uh, in Congo, mm. where they were mining for cobalt. Uh, which is a, a, a yes. key material for for batteries. Yeah. And, and we are culprits for it because we consume, we buy handphones, we buy computers, and all this needs batteries. Yeah, And, and it was reported that there were uh, deaths, there were a mm. lot of accidents happening at these mines that were not properly supervised, no proper safety conditions. And it was also reported that there were children Mm. child labor being used there and imagine they were only paid two dollars a day for yeah. that so that's huge and the electronic uh, business is has to you know really take note about this uh, downstream thing that's happening Kongshin, thank you very much this is a very detailed um, analysis and observation first of all one of the industries that you've identified at the start is the fashion industry and i i'm hearing what you're suggesting that actually we're talking in essence, about fast fashion, where it's priced very low at a very reasonable price point, and you can dispose of the garment quite quickly. In fact, there's research that you don't use this for more than one year, and all the 
consequences of throwing them right. away. The other industry that you've identified is mining, in particular with the diamond industry. But I'm going to suggest this uh, in terms of a question. The industries that you have highlighted, fashion and mining, they are also the industries who are quite alert to the consequences of their actions. The fast fashion industry has now started, even before the pandemic, certain drives to identify the source of their materials. They do that. And in the mining industry, for diamonds, for example, a certain company um, that packages its jewelry in a turquoise box, for example, has done a lot of branding and explanation that they can identify and they would state the source of their diamonds when you buy it. So can you tell us more about companies who are making positive contributions to creating sustainable businesses, including the industries who are threatening sustainability themselves? Right. So let's start with the, 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 the most sexy and interesting industry, the fashion industry, mm. right? Well, the fast fashion industry or even the general fashion industry mm. realizes this, you know, that this stigma on them, right? Um, and there are new companies coming out that the motivation, the passion behind the business is to be sustainable. Yet, they want to, at the same time, feed the needs of people like us mm. uh, with a sense of expression, yeah. right? That's what fashion is. Now, I'll give you an example of a, a company that started not too long ago, mm. but very much uh, the passion stems from sustainability. I don't know whether you have heard of this brand called Everlane. It's a yeah. US, uh, uh, it started from US. Yeah. And it's business model, they call it uh, radical transparency. So from a social sustainable perspective, they make it very transparent. Mm -hmm. You can go to the website, how much wages they pay their staff, how much hours they put into it, mm -hmm. uh, what kind of uh, benefits they give them to make sure that they mm -hmm. are well paid so they have a career. Uh, they, they can bring home the uh, salary to feed their family and stuff like that. So they're very transparent on that. They are also very environmental friendly in terms of like you know, sourcing for organic wool, mm. or organic cotton. Um, yeah, wool and cotton. Yeah, that's the, the thing. With, they're, uh, not the same, they're not the same. They're not the same. Yes. <laughs> So sustainable cotton, organic cotton, right? And they go to the farms, they make sure that they use yes. organic fertilizers and stuff like that. They go all the way down. They also expose their factories for mm. audit that they are LEED certified. Uh, LEED is a, a certification, called, I think, Leadership in Energy Environment mm. Design, if I'm not yes. wrong, it's a global thing. Uh, so the factories are LEED certified and Interestingly, they have started, I think two, three years ago, they have introduced denim, mm. right? Uh, I love denim. I don't know whether you love denim. I'm wearing denim. Yeah. Yes. But do you know that denim is a material that causes a yes. lot of harm to the environment mm. because there's a lot of chemical because into it, yeah. right? But they managed to find a producer, a mm. partner, uh, who was who's also very passionate about uh, environment. Mm. And he has this technology to create denim yeah. and recycle 98% of the water that's being used. Yeah. And he claimed that he has drank the recycled water and it's fine, right? <laughs> 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 
You've been listening to Future Social. You may find the next part of this episode on suss.edu.sg slash podcast or on your preferred podcast listening platform.